Hi everybody, this is Joe and I wanted to jump in with a quick note prior to the beginning of this episode on vaccine mandates because we recorded it prior to the Biden administration's new executive order that is mandating all federal employees and contractors get vaccinated from COVID-19 or undergo weekly testing. As part of this executive order, the Biden administration is also directing OSHA to make similar rules for large employers. And in total, this executive order purports to affect up to 100 million Americans. Now, as you can imagine, this rule is quite controversial and several Republican governors and state attorneys general have promised to file lawsuits against it, claiming that it's an unconstitutional overreach of the Department of Labor's power. We don't talk specifically about this executive order in the episode, but a lot of the legal issues that will be involved in any lawsuit are issues that the Supreme Court has tackled before. So we talk about some Supreme Court precedents on vaccine mandates, and we talk about religious and moral exemptions. We also discuss ongoing litigation about public universities and some of the policies that they're currently undergoing to avoid the further spread of COVID-19. Uh, it's an interesting episode, and I will let you get to it. Enjoy. Welcome to Fine Laws Don't Judge Me, the show about the law in real life. I'm Laura Temme, and I'm back in the host habit saddle i don't know what analogy <laughs> uh, i'm joined by joe fawbush hey everybody good to have you back laura <laughs> thank you and andy leonetti hey laura i have a question for you i think i have a very i want to get right to the point here and i have a very important question to ask you have All you right. have you seen the ninth season of seinfeld yet no i haven't <laughs> stop teasing me about this yeah i I have seen seasons one through eight, and then it was taken off Hulu. Not that anyone cares about this, but it's been very upsetting to me and by proxy to Andy because I've been <laughs> sort of live tweeting my experience of watching Seinfeld for the first time. <laughs> I, I thought it was important that we cut through the crap and get right to the point. <laughs> here. I think you're absolutely right. There's nothing more topical or pressing than Seinfeld. I, I get it. <laughs> At some point, we're going to have to discuss on this show the series finale. So, Okay, yeah, we could do that for sidebar. I feel like that would make anybody <laughs> mad. Oh, it is legal! You... <laughs> well, well, don't spoil it! Come on, man! <laughs> All right, okay, that's enough. So, if there's one thing that's more important than Seinfeld, it's COVID-19. And we've talked about this in various <laughs> capacities. That was terrible. That was so that bad. Was, I'm no, not doing that. That, that was, was really bad. fantastic. <laughs> Leave it in. Okay. <laughs> Including all of us laughing at it. Right. Yeah. So I we we've talked about various things relating to this. We talked about HIPAA a few episodes back. Um, today we're going to talk about vaccine mandates, which is something that I think is on a lot of people's minds right now as people start opening up different businesses that were closed. One that comes to mind for me is theaters and music venues. A mm -hmm. lot of them are requiring vaccines. Um, and then different states are having, you know, uh, varying approaches to whether 
it is okay to require people to be vaccinated. Yes. So let's talk about it. We'll try to predict the future and see what will happen if a case, well, if and when a case involving this gets to the Supreme Court and talk about all kinds of other fun stuff. This is a subject that is causing everyone on all sides of the issue to remain calm and measured in their responses <laughs> and in their dialogue. And I'm sure Indeed. that and I'm sure that everyone where they live is gonna respect the law <laughs> with regard to with regard to vaccine mandates. <laughs> And we will do our best to be calm and measured as well as we always are. And we won't have to write any more blog posts about uh, fathers punching teachers in the face, people trying to yank the masks off other people, people getting in fights on airplanes that are in the air. Mm -hmm. Folks, I got to tell you right now, please stop doing that. I don't like flying to begin with. I get nervous. I get nervous when I feel the drink cart rolling up the aisle <laughs> toward my feet and I can like and I can feel the floor kind of rumble a little bit mm -hmm. <laughs> by me. It starts yeah. that just that starts to make me nervous. So there I mean, if there was a way for two guys to start fighting and you just to open the emergency exit and those two guys get sucked <laughs> out and not, nothing, nothing happens to anyone else on the plane. You know, that'd be okay, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah. but there's no way to guarantee everyone else's safety in that scenario. So so Andy condones murder. So a lot of this involves people who are fighting. Good to know. So if you want to stay safe from Andy out there, everybody, you're all going to take a deep breath. Please stop mm -hmm. fighting in a pressurized tube at 35,000 feet. That's all I'm going to say. Please stop fighting at schools. Please stop fighting at grocery stores, and now we'll get into telling you how you're probably going to be wrong about the law. <laughs> <laughs> Andy's coming in hot again today, folks. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So where do we want to start with this? I've got a lot of good information here about comparing the various approaches that some states and localities are taking. So far? That sounds good to me. I think you guys probably can talk a little bit more uh, about what the courts are likely to say about some of these things and those people who have sincere objections to the vaccine mandates, which I'm just going to go out on a limb here and suggest that that's probably not the, like, half the country that is yet to... <laughs> I don't think... Joe, 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 I don't want to be a spoiler, but am I... Uh, is uh, am I right in thinking that half the country are not uh, Christian scientists? Well, there. <laughs> yes, we will get into that. And and yes, there are some uh, religious organizations and churches who have already created religious exemption templates to hand out. So yeah, we'll oh, get into that. Fantastic. Later. But, yeah, I think I think a background of of how states are approaching vaccine quote-unquote mandates would be a, a good place to start. Okay, yeah. Well, our our friends at Reuters, I will note, uh, recently reported on a massive corporate survey done of more than 1,000 companies, and they have reported that more than half of these U.S. companies are planning 
to impose COVID-19 vaccine mandates by the end of the year. Uh, so far, we have already seen some big companies, uh, Google, Walt Disney, Facebook, McDonald's for their corporate employees, uh, Morgan Stanley, United Airlines have all just have all kind of put some vaccine mandates in order in some form or another. Most of these companies are doing something along the lines of you have to do this. If you do not, uh, you will be subjected to regular weekly to weekly testing if you want to, mm -hmm. say, set foot on corporate property. And then I do, I, I want to make special note for Delta Airlines here. Um, a <laughs> well, now I'm nervous. <laughs> no, 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 no. Delta, Delta Airlines has also put in place a vaccine mandate and all employees who refuse will, will face weekly testing and a $200 a month surcharge on their health insurance premiums. Oh, wow. And a pay protection program that the company has had in place for employees who test positive and have to miss work. They will soon only cover breakthrough cases among the fully vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Wow. Meaning if you refuse to get vaccinated and you get sick and you miss weeks of work, Delta's going to be saying sorry that you're you're that's some unpaid sick leave you're taking yeah so that's in the in kind of the corporate realm and then at the state level we have seen i have count by my count we have 12 states that are requiring most or all state employees to be vaccinated um a few a few extra such as new mexico are requiring only healthcare and nursing home workers to be vaccinated. And in all of these states, all who go unvaccinated will also face the inconvenience of weekly tests as well. And you can probably envision which states have put some of these state employee vaccine mandates in place. They are mostly, mostly along the West coast and in the Northeast and mm -hmm. some other, and some in the upper, in the upper Midwest. Meanwhile, 17 states have passed laws that preempt uh, localities such as, say, for example, New York City has gone on its own. New York, New York City and Chicago have both have both also put in requirements saying city employees must be vaccinated as well. Um, but meanwhile, 17 states have passed laws preempting localities from requiring vaccines of employees. Eight states mostly from that same bucket, which I'm sure it won't surprise you which states these are, have passed laws prohibiting vaccine mandates for most state employees. 20 states have, have passed laws banning vaccine passports like New York's Excelsior Pass um, mm -hmm. or Hawaii's Pass that will allow people traveling between islands or arrive, tourists arriving on the islands to, to skip quarantine. New York's Excelsior passes. Uh, I had a friend show it to me recently the other weekend. We were both in Houston for a wedding, and he pulled it up and showed showed me. It was a little, just a QR code um, that you have to scan to enter restaurants and bars and theaters and gyms. Um, cool. And it seemed like a nice, normal piece of, of privacy-obliterating technology. But, <laughs> but, however... All of you getting mad about it, you all have Facebook or Instagram on your phones. So anyway. <laughs> or a driver's license. Yeah, right. or, or your driver's license. So 
we've covered that whole big list of um, states, but most importantly, we have we have three states haven't even passed anything in Florida. Noted champion of the free market, Governor Ron DeSantis, <laughs> has has passed an executive order that bans businesses, pri- both private and public, in Florida from requiring patrons or customers to provide any documentation certifying their vaccination or post-transmission recovery to gain access. Um, Mm -hmm. Montana has passed a law which prohibits discrimination based on vaccination status. This includes prohibiting an employer or government entity to refuse employment to bar a person from employment or to discriminate in compensation based on vaccination status. And North Dakota has passed a law prohibiting a state government entity, any agency of the state government, from requiring a private business to obtain documentation certifying someone's vaccination status or the presence of, say, coronavirus antibodies or anything like that in terms of employment. I hadn't heard about Montana and North Dakota. That's interesting. That, And especially the anti-discrimination law. That, mm-hmm. That's an interesting approach that I hadn't heard of before. Yeah, Monta- Montana's approach is uh, the one that I found the most interesting because, um, you know, sorry members of the LGBTQIA community of Montana who obviously can be discriminated against but if you refuse to get a shot, those those are those. Then we'll have some kind of recompense. Yeah, yeah. Those are the people we. Those are the people we have to we have to really uh, protect. Also, just we've seen San Francisco, New York City, and New Orleans are cities that are requiring proof of vaccination in businesses like restaurants, gyms, and theaters. I've noted in my my new hometown of St. Louis, there uh, many many performing arts venues, concert venues and such are instituting that as well. I recently had to present my vax card to attend a Wilco and Slater Kinney concert. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What year is it? (laughs) Hey, you know, I support you and your support of Wilco. That was mean. (laughs) I I don't have anything against Wilco. I really don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that that is happening here in Minneapolis as well. Several of the bigger theaters and performing arts venues are requiring either masks or proof of vaccination Mm -hmm. or a negative COVID test. Yeah. And so far, so far, we haven't seen many laws passed at the state level beyond Ron DeSantis's executive order in Florida. We haven't seen we haven't seen any laws passed that are wading into the private sector saying right. saying you cannot hey restaurant you cannot ask people to provide this status to mm-hmm. dine in um, mostly what we've seen is dealing with state cover co- basically covered state employees uh public university employees things like that yeah but and we also haven't seen any state level like everyone has to get vaccinated unless they have an exemption type yes um also quote unquote mandates we have not seen any of those yet although that is what happened in the one supreme court case that has handled this type of issue 
Yeah, let's let's get. I would like my teaser. I would love to hear more about that. Yeah, I would love to tell you about it. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, well, Andy, I know that you've made fun of me and Joe and pretty much everybody we work with about loving Supreme Court opinions, especially old ones. Um, But I've got another one for you. So the (laughs) sweet. (laughs) um, Yeah, the the Supreme Court case that has sort of lived in obscurity for a long time, but is now in the spotlight because of all of this is from 1905 uh, when the parts of the country were dealing with a different epidemic. It was smallpox, which was primarily at the time and around, yeah, 1901 ish was tearing through the Northeast, prim- primarily Boston, lots and lots of people sick. And at the time state law in Massachusetts allowed cities to require vaccinations for adults as long as they were free they could require vaccinations for adults in order to protect public health so that's what the city of cambridge did they required everyone over the age of 21 to get vaccinated or they would face a five dollar fine which (laughs) now sounds kind of funny yeah (laughs) but you know in in 1902 five dollars was nothing to sneeze at back in 1902 (laughs) five dollars would get you a new house it gets you a lot yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and there was obviously it, you had to be an adult and there there were also exemptions for children who who a doctor had deemed unfit for vaccination and so this this was challenged by a pastor named Henning Jacobson and he refused to be vaccinated he also refused to have his son vaccinated <sighs> <laughs> now and and of course you know this was over a hundred years ago. So we can't ask him whether or not this was true, but his argument was that he, both he and his son had had bad reactions to vaccines in the past and that this law violated the constitution. So this go, he, and it was interesting because he partially, his argument rested on the preamble of the constitution, which is an interesting thing to read. But as the Supreme court pointed out in this opinion, it is not binding law. So unfortunately, you can't base your legal argument on the preamble. But he did also argue that it violated the 14th Amendment, which the relevant piece of it is the due process clause where the government cannot infringe on someone's life, liberty or property without due process of law. And ultimately, the Supreme Court in a seven to two decision, which I feel like. I don't know. I just uh, a seven to two sounds kind of nice these days. I feel like we're getting a lot of a lot of five to four. Although we did talk in other episodes about how we've had a lot of um, a lot of unanimous decisions, so mm-hmm. I guess I can't complain. Too well, much. it it does seem like we're at those where there it's either unanimous or it's five to four. Mm-hmm. There doesn't seem yeah. to be a lot of seven to two. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, in this seven to two decision, the Supreme Court um, rejected his arguments and upheld the. Uh, the vaccine mandate, primarily resting on the fact that, A, the the preamble is not binding. It just, the preamble is meant to sort of convey the spirit of the Constitution. It's uh, It's an intro. Here's what we're doing here. Exactly. Like, you can't really, you can't put that in your brief. You are Um, about to read a set of binding laws. (laughs) Yeah, that's essentially what it says. Um, We the people, here's your thing. Um, and, And... yeah, so essentially the yeah, the Supreme Court concluded that when when it comes to public health especially um there are times when a person's liberty as secured by the constitution 
um, is not complete. You don't have the freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Nobody can say, can say otherwise in every situation. You mean we're not living in an anarchist commune? <laughs> Surprisingly, no. Oh, okay. Okay. At least according to the Supreme Court. So old man Jacobson had to pay five bucks? Yeah, his conviction was upheld and he had to pay his $5 fine. Tough cookies, Jacobson. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we should make a historical note that it wasn't just Pastor Jacobson. The anti-vax movement has been yes. alive and strong ever since there was such a thing as a vaccine. Mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor, but I think it was the measles <laughs> that it was the first vaccine yes. in the U.S. Yeah. And ever since then, uh, there have been people who don't trust it either for medical or primarily religious reasons. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so nowadays, a lot of times people claim their religion prevents them from taking a vaccine. And these religious claims fall a lot of times with how the vaccines are made. Uh, A typical argument that religious Christians make is that they're developed or tested through the use of abortive fetal tissue. The Pfizer and Moderna vaccine, they did test whether the vaccines worked from aborted fetal tissue. Johnson & Johnson did not. They did lab-replicated fetal cells. But a lot of people nowadays take issue with that. And back in Pastor Jacobson's time, a lot of people would argue that it was up to God to determine who would and would not get sick. And they felt like vaccines were interfering with God's will in that respect. Mm -hmm. So that's the religious claims. I mean, there there are other claims that people make, but those are kind of the main ones that are still relevant today. And we should note, too, that the two different kinds of mandates that are being done right now, there is the employer mandates, which are a little bit different than the government mandates. And it's Mm -hmm. government mandates where the First Amendment and religious accommodations are really in conflict. Right. Laura, and I think maybe you can tell us a little bit about the Indiana University, because that's a public institution case that the Supreme Court declined to take up that case. They basically just said that Indiana University had every right to force its students to be vaccinated or they couldn't attend at least in-person classes. And the Indiana University mandate did include a religious exemption and it included some other exemptions too. Yes, it did. Yeah. So I get, yeah, a little bit of background on that one. Um, So eight students at the university sued arguing that the school's vaccination requirement um, violated their rights to bodily integrity, autonomy, and I think medical choice. There are things that I could yell about (laughs) relating to that, but I'm not going to, that's for a different show. Um, So I guess backing up a little bit from the Supreme Court decision or non-decision, when this case was before the Seventh Circuit, Judge Easterbrook pointed out that health exams and vaccinations are pretty common practice with higher education. Like I, for example, I remember having to get a meningitis vaccine before I could move into my college dorm. Mm -hmm. And Oh, can I interrupt you there? Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt 
leading every lawsuit under the sun against coronavirus related restrictions and who just happened coincidentally is running for an open U.S. Senate seat next year, who, when he was a state senator in Missouri, enthusiastically voted in favor of of requiring meningitis vaccinations for all on campus students of Missouri universities. Mm-hmm. Just thought it just thought I'd <laughs> <Yeah>. note that. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, that is. Yeah, that is um, an interesting thing to point out. And so, yeah, the, the Seventh Circuit ultimately said, you know, yeah, the, the college can decide that this is a requirement. And it probably didn't help the students case that they did. They conceded the fact that there were religious, ethical and medical exemptions that <laughs> I'm quoting from Judge Easterbrook, virtually guaranteed that anyone who asked for an exemption would probably get one. And so then when this was appealed to the Supreme Court, they appealed for emergency relief, which means it goes to the Supreme Court justice who oversees the Seventh Circuit, which is Amy Coney Barrett. And she denied this. And it was a, uh, a shadow docket decision. So the shadow docket strikes again. If you haven't listened to our shadow docket episode, make sure to we need a sound out. of we need a sound effect for whenever <laughs> we, we do. Yeah, shadow we need docket. like a shadow docket. Can we or like <laughs> is this where we can finally include the trap horn in, <laughs> in our show? Shadow docket. I don't, I don't know. I feel like trap horn. Trap horn is a little too aggressive for shadow docket. I think it needs to be like a I don't know like a rattlesnake. Oh, I, I was thinking like a uh, ghost. I was going to put in a little ghost. Oh, a ghost would work? Yeah. Sure. Or just like some spooky wind, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, we're getting into spooky season, which is my favorite time of year. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would not be mad about that. Um, so as we talked about in our Shadow Docket episode, um, a denial of emergency relief like this usually means that the plaintiffs don't have a solid argument or there's some kind of standing issue. Um, so yeah, basically they, they decided that, um, the university can require vaccinations. One of the other things that, uh, the seventh circuit pointed out was that there are other educational opportunities that these students could pursue, uh, where they don't have to be vaccinated. So they kind of said, well, a lot of places require vaccinations of other kinds. If you don't like it, you can go someplace else. Your constitutional rights have not been violated. But a say, say Indiana University had declined to grant a student's religious objection or something, then right, that might then they been. probably would have had more of a more of a problem. Yeah. So one might say that these students were just trying to grandstand, and <laughs> one not well, me, I'm, not me. I'm one could. <laughs> I personally am not going to put words in anyone's mouths, but um. Yes, like I said, I they yeah, they did concede that it was pretty easy to get an exemption, so I have a feeling that, that had a lot to do with this being denied by uh by Judge Barrett. You know, it's interesting cuz there is actually a court case ongoing right now that involves this very question. Uh the University of Massachusetts, an administrator there actually denied a religious exemption request from a student who's Catholic, and the administrator cited the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, who have already stated that the vaccines are morally justified, despite 
oh. you know, what we talked about before. So that actually yeah. went to federal district court. This is a very recent case, so so we don't mm-hmm. have any conclusions. But the district court did rule in favor of the University of Massachusetts on this question, which is interesting. And um, I imagine that this will be appealed and we'll monitor that to see how it develops. But that exact question is currently being litigated. And, you know, I expect hundreds of lawsuits around these kinds of questions to pop up in the next couple of months. Um, Because typically in the past, we saw most vaccine objections on religious grounds typically used to just spring up amongst the Christian scientist community. They Mm -hmm. would, Mm -hmm. a, a denomination that typically rejects most medical interventions um, mm-hmm. at least among adults. But now this is, do we, is, is the, the, the stem cell argument is kind of broadening the, the religious liberty panopticon of, of, uh, of, of objections. <laughs> Ooh, that's a $5 word. Andy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's a good point, Andy, because we've already skirted the issue about how do you tell whether a religious belief is sincere and yeah. sincerely yeah. had held and courts have different tests for determining that. Um, but that is kind of the underlying question. And clearly the administrator at the university of Massachusetts said, no, this is, you know, you say you're a Catholic, this is the Catholic church's position. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a organized religious faith behind you and supporting your position in order to claim a religious exemption. You know, courts mm-hmm. have, have allowed religious exemptions for sincerely held individual beliefs. And you had mentioned earlier about some some forms being drafted or Yeah, so first I, I kinda wanted to distinguish again between what we were first talking about, which is universe public university mandates, which is a government and uh, the US military has this, um, public hospital workers, these are all government imposed mandates. There are also employer mandates which we've touched on a little bit, but employers are also supposed to accommodate employees with sincerely held religious beliefs. So these religious exemptions come into play for both employer and government mandates. So it's kind of all across the board in that way. But yeah, there are occasionally you can find churches. I don't, I don't know if it's you know, I don't know if it's the same underlying rationale. A lot of the public discourse now is on freedom of choice and liberty. And so I don't know if certain religions are more focused on that than the stem cell issue. But yeah, there are individual churches and certain denominations that are used to this question and are more than happy to provide help to people who want to seek a religious exemption. And if you're an employer, you know, you're probably going to be pretty careful about not denying a religious exemption. At least I would Mm be. There can also be a position that employers may take, which is providing reasonable accommodations to people who have moral or religious convictions that prevent them from getting the vaccine. So, for example an employer may say get the vaccine in order to be come into work Um, but if you can work from home then do that and so there are a certain 
number of legal issues that may come up with a policy like that. You know, Montana's anti-discrimination law comes to mind. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there. But a large company like just say Thomson Reuters, for example. Um, maybe we shouldn't do that. I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> even trying. That. I wasn't even trying to get no, cute that's a, there. Yeah. Um, no. Go ahead. Yeah. But okay. But say like a, co- a company like Facebook that has already talked that has already put down a vaccine mandate. Um, basically, they can say if you don't get it, you have to work from home, which seems to be fine unless Facebook was based in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's an argument to be made that that's a reasonable accommodation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, federal law does require religious accommodations in some circumstances. Um, and so the test with this is whether it causes a quote unquote undue hardship to the employer. Uh, so employers could argue if they don't want to accommodate certain workers that that does pose an undue hardship on them because it's posing a threat to the health and safety of all other employees. Um, So that remains to be seen whether employers could claim undue hardship. Like, um, like a, like a healthcare organization, it would be pretty easy for them to say it presents an undue hardship for this group of a hundred nurses or doctors or whoever that refuses to get vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will, and I will note, and I will note that um, in there, while Arizona, Utah, and Oklahoma have have bans on vaccine mandates in place, the those three st- Arizona, Utah, and Oklahoma they exempt healthcare institutions from those laws that they have passed, basically giving giving healthcare organizations the power to still have vaccine mandates in place. Interesting. Very interesting. It's yeah. it's almost yeah. it, it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like the coronavirus only exists inside hospitals and doctors offices apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that and that's one of the things that um was pointed out in that 7th Circuit opinion I was discussing earlier. They Um, Judge Easterbrook wrote that vaccination protects not only the vaccinated persons, but also those who come in contact with them. And at a university, close contact is inevitable. So and they also based that opinion on Jacobson versus Massachusetts. So we really come full circle on that one. So I I would not be surprised if other universities as well make that type of argument that if we're going to keep students safe, then this is what we have to do because they are living in course in close quarters and it's just, it's too hard to prevent anything otherwise. I don't know. Uh, a young 18 and 19 year old Andy Leonetti, uh, <laughs> managed, managed to manage to use a lot of social, social distancing. See, I, I did not, I had the big room on my floor, so everybody was in my dorm room all the time. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't resist making fun of myself. <laughs> yeah, but as much as I would like to see resolution to these questions and settled law, I, you know, it's my belief that we're going to see piecemeal approaches 
throughout the country. I mean, some of these challenges mm-hmm. may very well depend on where you're located, where the lawsuit is coming from, because some parts of the country obviously are having a greater problem with the Delta variant than others, and every mandate is slightly different. So I'd, I'd love to say, you know, here's the law, uh, yeah. but it's just we're not there yet. Um, it's mm-hmm. It's definitely a piecemeal. It definitely depends on the government and the state you're in and what occupation you're in. Yeah, it all comes back to our our favorite thing to say as attorneys. It depends. Yeah. <laughs> but I will I will note also that uh the vaccine is free, safe and effective and available everywhere and just getting it is a lot easier than subjecting yourself to a long drawn out court fight. But if you do have a sincerely held religious accommodation, <laughs> I will I will counter that. You do no, that's have a right to contest it. And, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, it is absolutely your right. And, you know, if, if it is your belief that, that vaccines are against your religion, um, it is, there's a good chance that you can get a religious exemption. Uh, the mm-hmm. Supreme Court is generally strongly protective of First Amendment rights, especially yes. religious freedoms. And so if... Especially lately. Yeah. Now, one thing I have noticed with some like concert venues and restaurants and things like that is that they have just places that are requiring you to bring in either your hard copy vax card or a picture of it or whatever. Some places have just been flat out saying, well, if you have a a disability or a medical condition or, or a legitimate medical condition um, where you cannot get this vaccine for right now that's too bad we're not going to accommodate you what do you do you foresee some sort of legal fight happening there yeah i think that's an excellent Mm -hmm. question and i could definitely see somebody who was turned away filing a discrimination lawsuit for something like that yeah absolutely you know it's interesting because the aclu which is so historically been really protective of the rights of people like that who, mm-hmm, you know, maybe mm-hmm. would like to get the vaccine but can't for medical reasons. Um, the ACLU recently wrote an op-ed in the New York Times about how it's actually more protective of popul- disadvantaged population groups to get these vaccine mandates out Um so it's an interesting. Did it? Was I clear? I got oh, I yeah. saw some quizzical. No, that was, yes. no, okay. that was very yeah. no, that was very clear. The uh, the gymnastics of the ACLU is what was not clear. Yeah, yeah. For me, but also I will say not surprising. Yeah, well, the ACLU has had some internal issues lately about are they a liberal organization or are they just a civil liberties or you know so yeah i think Mm -hmm. this cuts to the heart of that controversy that they're having internally i think and that's all we have for today thank you so much for joining us on this episode of find laws don't judge me please subscribe to rate and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts check the show notes for related content and if you'd like to contact us send us an email at findlawpodcasts at thompsonreuters.com 